Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast that discusses current events, relevant topics, and emerging issues in pharmacy. I'm your host, Carly McMore, and together with my producer, Jared McMore, and the Australian Journal of Pharmacy, we are bringing you a podcast that draws on the opinions and expertise of pharmacists from all settings and experience levels, from those pharmacists who've already been a voice in the profession to those who've never had their voice heard before. The latest AJP podcast is on stress in the pharmacy. Once again, this was a pre-recorded podcast prior to coronavirus, but it's just bringing some practical tips about how people cope with stress, some things, that you, some questions you can ask yourself on a daily basis, um, some self-care that might be helpful at the time. But it's just about making sure that we're asking ourselves these questions. We do find the courage to speak up. We do have a network and people just sharing some of the ways that they help reduce their stress or ways that they help to manage their stress on a daily basis. And it's just sharing these tips with you as well. Thanks. Amanda Cross discusses people in higher positions and hearing challenging patient stories and how this can be isolating, as well as the importance of networking and connecting with others. I think it's really important that people are, are, feel comfortable to come forward and talk about when they are feeling stressed. Um, I think when I was a manager or a pharmacist in charge, um, I'd like to think I was quite good at recognising that in people, but I wasn't good at sharing my own stress, um, at least not in a professional setting. My husband hears a lot about it. but <laughs> um, And I think that is um, common to other fields as well where um, people are in sort of higher positions are often isolated because they don't want to share that stress or um, struggles that they're having with their mental health with people that they are leading, managing, employing. Um, so I think that's really important um, coming to conferences and being a part of a professional society and those sort of things where you have that ability to connect with people outside of your immediate workplace so that you've got those avenues where you can talk about things that are happening. The other thing, I guess, um, the other isolating experience I guess I have is as a home medicine review pharmacist, I work independently. I have my own business. Um, and I have had patients while I've been with them tell me that they are considering hurting themselves and harming themselves and having that, um, finding an avenue to sort of debrief about that and ensure that you're not taking on their burden onto yourself without being able to actually discuss that and um, make sure it's not affecting your own mental health is really important and it can be very hard for people who aren't working in a larger workplace and don't have that sort of large um, professional network. Shane Jackson discusses professional satisfaction, remuneration, recognition and workload. Yeah, so I think the yeah, so the, the pharmacist support service I think has been very good in highlighting the, the stresses in the workplace for pharmacists. I think uh, my biggest concern is professional satisfaction, and so that goes to the heart of uh, remuneration. You know, they just don't feel like they're adequately rewarded. Yes, there's you know, there's some pharmacists out there, you know, a reasonable proportion that. Are actually working in the, an environment they're very, very happy with. 
but we've actually got a reasonable proportion of people who aren't. So we've got to address that. So the, the, again, the remuneration is part of that. Recognition, so practising how they thought they were going to practise. And that, for me, goes to workload. I think there's a large piece of work that we need to do around workload, uh, around understanding, because we actually don't have that information. All we have is sort of anecdotal reports around workloads being difficult in some sectors, or some settings, I should say. So we actually need to understand whether that's a widespread concern uh, and whether that's impacting on the uh, the professional role of the pharmacist to do what they do in a safe way. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty concerned about workload uh, and it is a piece of work that's high on the priority list of the society um, to make sure that we understand as much as we can accurately the workload implications for pharmacists and that goes to the heart of professional satisfaction uh, and what we can do about that. We need to get the data first uh, and then we need to identify what we need to do. Steve Morris shares on mindfulness, expectations, and being able to talk about stresses. I think it goes by, part of it's about reducing the stigma, but part of it is also increasingly being aware of mindfulness. And for most healthcare professionals, including pharmacy, then we're in often situations that are stressful because of the patients that are involved, often due to the levels of activity expected of healthcare professionals dealing with those immediate situations. And I think you know it's incumbent on all employers to ensure they support their staff in terms of having both an awareness but also an ability to raise those concerns and speak up and not just suffer in silence. Tinu Abraham and Taryn Gill talk about good stress and bad stress, being transparent and leaning on people and speaking up, as well as looking at ways to take care of each other. Okay, so stress. I think, um, look, we all know that small amounts of stress are really useful. They get us motivated. They get us to do the next thing. Um, if we didn't have stress, then we all would have been eaten back in the stone age by some animal no fight or flight um so there's good stress and there's bad stress i think it's really important to have good um well wind down time know how you you can wind down um lean on people so if you're not coping to to make mention like for example if i've had a rough morning getting to work because i know sometimes I, I declare it when i walk in i go guys i'm sorry if i'm a bit flustered for the first half hour and everyone you know sometimes i come in i'm not all systems firing straight away um so i think uh we we talked about mental health earlier with this generation that's more connected and more lonely than ever um and if you've got a stressful workplace as well then that's um not ideal so making sure you're your own change agent and then leaning on people yeah that's important like if it's a stressful workplace um being able to talk to your boss about like okay i didn't get a lunch break yesterday this is this has been happening over the last week what can we do what should we do and speaking up as well some people just i guess coming from my own end i would rather keep quiet but speak up if you if you feel like the environment is a bit stressful and what's uh, most most pharmacists are good people mm-hmm. that's the intention they would um, walk around ways to release that i do know if i've had a bad day before lunch i there are apps out there as well which i give to my patients mm, sometimes mindful i do yeah. yeah i do like a 10 minute meditation during lunch mm-hmm. and if you if you're lucky to have lunch <laughs> yeah. well we should all have lunch now at least half an hour mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i do like a 10 minute and you go back and you refresh so doing things like that sleeping trying to sleep well 
and just taking care of yourself and your colleagues as well, checking in on yourself and your colleagues so that they can do the same for you as well. Mm. So it is, pharmacy is challenging and it can be a stressful job, um, but just um, we looking at ways to take care of each other. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And I think one of the things I say to my interns is um, if you cross your T's and dot your I's, no problem is too big. Mm. Like, say, if you've gone in with best intent and you've actually done what you need to do, if you fail mm. to prepare, prepare to fail. But if you've crossed your T's and you dot your I's, no problem will be too big. Diana Mills and Erin Cooper discuss that you will have bad days and they also discuss the resources out there to help. Um, yeah, I believe... Um, Mental health, especially of the pharmacist and student, intern, health professionals as an individual is really important and something that we all need to be really mindful of, not just for ourselves, which is super important, but for our colleagues and our peers um, who we spend a lot of time and work with. Just having the ability and the confidence and knowledge to say, hey, um, we've had a pretty stressful week. How's it all going? are you okay? Like, do you need to talk about something? Like, being having those skills and knowledge to talk about that with others, but also then being able to talk about it yourself, I think is something that's really important and that um, individuals, especially from a student level upwards, need to be aware of and um, acknowledging. Um, I think that... It's incredibly important. I think that we work for quite a long time um, from the beginning of our careers to the end. So we need to be able to make it to the end and we need to be able to enjoy the journey. Something that I'm quite passionate about that one of my mentors said to me once was that you're going to have bad days. Not every day is going to be a good day. doesn't matter how good a pharmacist you are. doesn't matter how much you care about your patients. You're going to have bad days and that's okay. You may have a bad week and that's okay. But just know that it is okay and there are people out there. There's the pharmacist support service. There's your colleagues. You should be able to talk to your bosses. Whoever it might be that you're comfortable speaking to things about. Um, it's important to have those debriefs because sometimes something as simple as telling someone how you think that a conversation didn't go so well or maybe a patient got angry and yelled at you is all you need to sort of start to let that go. Um, So I think if we want to provide the best patient care that we can, and I think we all do, we need to look after ourselves first. We need to look after our colleagues first because you can't keep giving if you yourself are empty. You need to be able to... Um, focus and keep going and you can't do that if you're not your best self Um, and it's okay to not be your best self but you need to know that you can get help from support from people if you need it too. Yeah I agree I think knowing that there are services out there such as the pharmacist support service um, that you can talk to if you feel like in that moment that you've got no one else knowing that there is a phone number that you can ring and debrief is very um, important. And I think, yeah, everyone needs to be aware. Aware that it exists. And I think as well the fact that they're pharmacists, they're going to understand you. You're coming from the same place. So um, I don't think there's any risk of them not quite getting what you're talking about because, you know, they've worked that as well. They've probably lived similar experiences. Rachel Diener and Peter Crothers talk about colleagues in conflict 
personality disorders, cultural change, inclusion, and not taking offence. Yeah, I, um, yeah, it's a tough one, I guess. Um, it always amazes me how, how when people are part of a workforce, you know, an employment group, uh, a workplace, it sort of affects how they approach communication um, with each other. And so if you were in any other group um, and somebody said something to upset you, um, the normal sort of process would be to say, um, look, when you... We just said something, and I find that a little bit challenging. You know, it, it, it's do you mean what I think I mean? And the person says, "Oh no, 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 I didn't mean it that way." Um, but somehow you put people in a workforce, you know, and somebody says something to upset another person, and they go to the manager and they say, "This person upset me," and they don't make any attempt to to actually re- resolve the communication problem themselves. You know, whereas if they as I so if they were on a netball team or something, um, they their natural reaction would would be to say, well, well, you know, hang on, that wasn't very nice, um, and and they'd resolve it. But whereas in the workforce, they choose a different process, you know, and they sort of go to go to a supervisor for arbitration instead of actually trying to work it out themselves. And um, and uh, I, I just think a lot of stress in the workplace just comes from from miscommunication um, but you know having said that you know I've, I'm sure different employers treat people in different ways I remember I worked in a pharmacy once where and I suppose I wonder if these places still exist but they, apparently they were quite common but I worked in a pharmacy many years ago it was just I was doing locum and every time I went I wandered around the shop um, familiarising myself and every time I saw two staff members standing together. As soon as I approached, they ran in different directions. And, and eventually I said, you know, what's going on? They said, well, we're not allowed to talk to each other except about a sale. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good way to introduce stress into the workplace. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. We, I guess I'm lucky, you know. We, we, seem to have a, we just seem to have a nice workplace. Um, but we've had our issues over the years. But uh, the other thing, you know, the other thing I'd like to say about the stress in the workplace is sometimes people are sick. You know, um, you know, sometimes employees do have mental health issues, and uh, and that can be a bit difficult um, in, in a workplace setting to to sort of deal with that because there's this issue of sort of jurisdiction. You know, um, you know, are are you as an employer um, allowed to approach an issue clinically you know with one of your staff um, uh, I think that can be tricky um, and another thing is personality disorders they're quite common and they're unlike diagnosable mental illnesses they're really hard to deal with um, and uh, you know if you find yourself 
in the workplace, you know, with somebody who's a who's a passive aggressive or um, you know has uh, has got um, uh, you know dependent personality disorder or or uh, you know I, I had a sociopath once, <laughs> which um, can be almost impossible to deal with from an employer's point of view. Really, really tough, and uh, and I'm surprised people don't talk about it more. I guess in my you know change management stuff, I've got I'm thinking of so many stories, but uh, just hearing what you're saying, um, Peter, about you know in the sports team, my original coaching experience comes from being a level four lacrosse coach, um, which was my passion. And I, you know, being at various times the coach, the captain and a player all meshed into one. But I actually found that really good. It's like if one person decides that they're not going to communicate with another person, the result on the sports field, the result is you just see it fall apart. Like, it's really obvious. Yeah, Everyone can see it. They're also on display of the people watching the game of sports. So there's a degree of we need to deal with this right away. And any conflict in the workplace, you know, it's always the protocol is address it straight away, mm. name it up, talk about it. It doesn't have to be solved straight away, but it has to be addressed and, and named up straight away. So, I, you know, it's basically just avoidance behaviour. But also sometimes, you know, if you're expected to be serving the customers who come in, then, you know, finding the time to be able to go, stop, this needs to be dealt with right away. So I think that in that situation, you know, things get deferred and then not dealt with, you know, at the close of business or the next time that there's an opportunity and that, that, that creates a big snowball effect. So, yeah, definitely... You know, any management needs to look at it that way. Um, and staff need to be empowered to be open and be encouraged to communicate with whoever it is that can help them. You know, it might be that they don't know how to approach a particular other staff member, so maybe they need to get advice about how to do that. Um, I think as well that the personality thing in the workplace is amazing often there's a whole team of people who have diverse I mean taking out the personality disorders and potential mental health problems and potential uh, chronic illness problems that can impact on you know how someone feels on a particular day and whether they're a positive person to be around or negative person to be around for the other staff just the, the the diversity of people. Uh, I'm currently working uh, um, in helping some cultural change with a group, and they are amazingly different people. And it's lovely when all of the staff come up to you and you know they're telling you all the potential barriers about the communication. The big resounding thing for me is total inclusion in the way that solutions or even protocols and procedures and things like that are developed you know all staff's opinions are important and that um then you know they're empowered to sort of work together as a 
a team rather than this is your job and this is your job and all that sort of division that, that happens and this is front of shop and this is dispense and like what's going on and you walk up the front to the till and help out and as a pharmacist they look at you like oh my goodness me she must be all right she's come down here to help us out so it, it's about that inclusion but it's also about taking the time to understand the different personalities and we often do in change management personality tests so you all get together and do a really basic personality assessment and then everyone talks about might explore you know when this particular incident happens this is how I like to deal with it um, I earlier in my career I'd ask someone a question and I'd go well why don't you just answer me tend to be a very much you ask me a question I'm going to answer you I might change my mind later on but I'm going to give you an answer straight away we're dealing with some people and it's been a, a great journey to come on to actually understand that sometimes you talk to someone and they look at you like they're not even listening to you, they're processing and they're very different people and they need time and so developing those strategies where it's around, I can see that you want to think about that so how about we take up the rest of this conversation later, you have a think and then get back to me. So I've just found, you know, within myself and my own pathway, learning those skills uh, and being a little bit, again, strategic around it, everyone addressing I'm this, 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 you know, in the interns we do the bird you know, the, the peacock, the peacock, the owl, the dove and the... I'm trying to think of the other one. Um, and most people will say, oh, you're a peacock. And actually, I'm across all of them except the eagle, mm. <laughs> um, which comes into, I think, um, a lot of personality issues of those sort of people who are quite over-dominant in the workplace. But, yeah, so I think making sure that all the staff understand the different ways that people operate and process, linking that in as well with trying to encourage a culture of not taking offence to a difference of opinion and not taking offence to a different way of managing a situation or the different ways of responding to people um, and just naming all that up and having it really quite transparent so everyone gets an opportunity to work together than have any sort of, high, I think, hierarchy even though obviously we have roles and responsibilities and people we report to and people who are responsible for certain things, but breaking down that um, culture of, of hierarchy and dominant behaviour um, and having a really... Oh, it goes back to the diversity thing as well, doesn't it, where you've got to really... Everyone is equal and everyone shows respect that, um, to each other. Yeah, we, one thing that we've found very useful is a sort of work preferences analysis. You know, it's sort of less personality debate based I suppose than, than some of the tools and but but just having something like that that allows other people to know you know what their colleagues are like and what their preferences are makes a difference the, the, the other thing that sort of ought to be said about stress in the workforce I, I worked with somebody once who said oh this would be a bloody easy game if it wasn't for the staff and the customers <laughs> and and, and, um, and you know, there there is a lot of workplace stress that sort of comes from the staffing side, but the other the other part of it is the customers. You know, and the, I think one of the things to be acknowledged about pharmacy or any healthcare occupation is, you, um, I mean, this sounds so stupid when you say it, or it's so obvious, you know, that it's almost stupid. You're more likely to encounter a sick person in a pharmacy than you are in a newsagent or a supermarket or a hardware shop. Um, because it's where sick people come to have their 
you know, problem solved. And and sick people are less likely to be happy. And so your chances of having to deal with unhappy people um, in a pharmacy are relatively higher than they are in other workplaces. And so we have to sort of prepare and train people for that. And, you know, and as all of us who've done it for any amount of time know, it can be incredibly rewarding. That can actually be a source of great, you know, joy and fulfilment, um, uh, you know, having to deal with people who are, you know, uh, a bit less happy than other people and, and, and helping them solve their problems. But it needs to be acknowledged and, and people need to be, you know, constantly aware of it. We need to be constantly reinforcing it um, to people. I mean, some people are just cut out for it, you know, these customer service roles and they're, you know, they revel in it. There are others of us, you know, and I, I'd be one who, who, you know, I have to sort of put it on like a white coat when I get to work. You know, I've got this invisible cloak that's called customer service, you know, and I put that cloak on and, and um, you know, I become a somewhat different character um, in order to, you know, to get through the day. But in the same way that actors enjoy acting, um, I enjoy doing it um, but we're all going to we're all going to have to approach it in slightly different ways and not everybody in pharmacy not everybody in community pharmacy is cut out for customer service but but you know but there are ways of ways of coping with that yeah I relate it to when I think about those concepts myself it's around you know um, being able to be a chameleon uh, in, in in different environments and especially when you've had diverse roles within pharmacy, not just community mm. pharmacy, you know, like advocacy and policy making, you know, um, strategic planning, all those things and they're mm. all different coats, as you say, that you put on to... I think listening to you talk there, it's also about the fact that mood is so contagious and the key word is was, you know, awareness all the time of when... You know, someone could have just been told some really bad health news and they come in and they're going to... You know, it's going to be oozing off them. And I think that um, when any stress, like it's a busy time in the workplace, you know, all of a sudden, you know, as we always say, the bus pulls up outside and in they all come. If, you know, take a deep breath and we all, in various workplaces, we'd all look at each other and go... All right, as if to say, here we go, let's not catch this negativity. And I think it's, you know, those simple skills of um, smiling at people and letting them know that they've been recognised and, you know, it will be a little bit more time, all of that sort of thing, but giving quality care to the... Because we catch it off. I think that potentially that's one of the biggest things that creates stress when you're trying to look at workflow in a work environment and all of a sudden you get a peak in your workflow and you just watch the body language of I mean I guess I'm predominantly in the dispensary environment with the dispensary team but you watch the body language of a well-knit team compared to that those who are a little bit fractured and not supporting each other in that and also naming it up you know we one of the best teams I'm thinking of that I worked in, you know, like it, because people would pick up, it starts to become, you know, a little bit stressful and it'd even be like, you know, you might 
pinch someone or something like that and everyone just, you know, and it's like, let's just break it down, name it up, it's stressful, let's just let it all go. Some of those counselling techniques, you know, if you've just absorbed a lot of negative energy from someone, from a patient, you know, little counselling techniques of, obviously we haven't got a visual, but holding your hands together and then when you walk away, just let it go. Physically recognise, I need to need to let that negative energy go so that you don't then transfer it back to all your teams. Um, yeah, just listening to you talk about that, it just raises another thing that's perhaps so obvious that it doesn't need to be said. But I think it's worth saying it, and that's just the importance of training. You know, the the better you are at something, the less stressful it is. It is the you know the better you are at, the more enjoyable it is. And so, and you can train, you know, to deal with situations um, uh, but but just having the basic knowledge to do your job you know just having you know a pharmacy assistant having good product knowledge makes his or her job less stressful you know because they they're just more capable um, of dealing with, with with the issues so the better you know the better your clinical knowledge is and the better your theoretical knowledge is and the, you know and the more you understand about drug mechanisms of action and 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 all of those things you know they're they're all things that make life less stressful in the workplace because they're all things that have, you know help deliver you mastery and the other thing that i think's worth saying you know particularly to early career pharmacists um Expect to be stressed for a while because that mastery doesn't come easily. You know, the general rule of thumb is that if it's taken you 10,000 hours of study to become something, you know, and I think to become a pharmacist, probably 12,000 hours or something like that of, of, you know, really concerted effort, it's going to take you at least that amount of time again and probably twice that amount of time to achieve professional mastery. You know, to reach that sweet spot in your career where you're really cooking with gas, you're really singing, you know, and, and, and your professional life is enjoyable and productive and, 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 you, and it lasts for quite a while when you get there. You know, you, it, but it takes you a while to get to that sweet spot. And the other thing that... And just while I'm on that, and I'm sort of straying off topic, I suppose, but if you're a woman, you must get as close as you possibly can to that clinical mastery as soon as you can, you know, if, and particularly if you're planning to have children. Um, because most women delay childbearing until you know they're 30 or so um but you know they 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 stay in the workforce for 10 years or so and then then they have children and rare children and you need to have something to to return to because if you don't you're going to return on the bottom of the ladder you know the only job that you're going to be able to get is sundays you know with two um pharmacy assistants in a chemist warehouse you know on your own and you, don't, you, you actually don't want to do that you, you need to credential up your career um, you know continue to do training while you're working because this is the quickest way to progress right 
is to do formal learning while you're on the job so that you can apply that learning on the job and reach that point in your career you know where you're advanced practice two or advanced practice three or whatever it is but the you know that point of mastery because then when you're returning to your career later on you've got something really substantial that no one can ever take away from you to 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 return to you know you become a highly productive person so and if you don't do that you know, you, you, you're doing something that's got the capacity to seriously bugger up your life. You know, you, um, you know, if you come out and say, I'm registered, you know, I'm just going to work for a few years until I have children, and then you have these children and, and you find you've got absolutely nothing worthwhile to, re to return to, and you come back into the workforce, you'll be treated like shit. Um, that's my perception anyway as a male and I, I just think it's so fundamentally important because we're mostly women as a profession we're mostly women that need for training as well you know obviously other than clinical knowledge and knowing what to do you know decreasing the anxiety there is and increasingly early career pharmacists as well are, starting to do leadership training, management skill training, but, you know, uh, and continuing on with various formal qualifications there because just because you've got a pharmacy degree it doesn't mean that you know how to manage people at all. And so then potentially in that situation all of a sudden you're the, you know, pharmacy manager is a, with very little skills and the ripple effect on stress in the whole environment I've seen it happen where someone who's a mm. fantastic manager has moved on and there's a really inexperienced manager and all of a sudden the wheels start coming off the, you know, the flow, if you like, of that unit. Um, maybe they're a manager who allows their own emotion to show during the day, you know, what's up with her? <laughs> Everything's gone and all of the tension sort of comes mm. back in. So, you know, gaining those skills is also absolutely paramount and I don't think you even have to be interested in um, management position to gain those skills mm. you know even if it's just how to deal with your peers how to be an effective part of a team yeah. all of those things is um, you know absolutely is essential and it's interesting when you talk about um, um, stress that there will be a degree of stress it's a bit like the concept of um, anxiety is all right if you use it to action what has caused you <laughs> the anxiety so it's like the you get anxious you run from the saber-toothed tiger you know so if you're feeling anxious that you know potentially it's a stimulus for I'm out of my depth in this situation maybe I need to collaborate with my you know, colleagues and find out what they do or maybe I, there's some identified learning you know that's just gone on and I need to go on and do further study so using those stimuluses to recognise what needs to be done so that eventually with um, increased experience those situations aren't anxious mm. anymore. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any comments, questions or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please send an email to ajppodcast at appco.com.au or follow us on Twitter at AJPPodcast.